Good morning, Zinger Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. I'm producer AB. I got my man Dennis Dick hanging out backstage. It's your one-stop shop in the morning. Get all the news you need before the market opens. All the top headlines, stock moving headlines, what you need to know before the market opens. Let's go ahead and roll that intro. When we come back, we'll be talking Unity. We'll be talking uh, more fallout from this airline story. All the top headlines you need to know without further ado. Get the show started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm Ben the Penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, so yesterday, which if you watched pre-market prep, if you were here with us yesterday, you had already known before the market opened that it was going to be a big day for tech, as Dennis called. Uh, the S&P, the NASDAQ, everything traded higher. Huge day for bulls. NVIDIA hitting new all-time highs. Bitcoin hitting 52-week highs. Uh, but today, looks like we're giving back some of those gains, as you can see here, the S&P 500 trading down about four-tenths of a percent. Whoa. All right, just went up a little. Oh, no, back down. All right, uh, going over the queues, also trading lower this morning, about half a percent. Uh, Dow, which the Dow still finished higher despite an 8% drop in uh, Boeing yesterday. So overall, all, all major indices finished in the green yesterday. Uh, but again, this morning kind of selling off. Could be another, you know, just quick little reversal, some chop here. Let's bring my man Dennis on, see what he's been watching this morning dennis how you doing not too bad it was a big win last night watched the game for our friend joel alconan who texted me from the game and he was on fire last night pumped national champions michigan it was a huge victory so congratulations go blue yep go blue shout out to all the michigan fans of course uh benzinga is headquartered here in detroit we have a lot a lot of you Mish representation at the company, including, uh, you know, Jason Raznick, Joel Conan, Luke Jacoby, you name it. A lot of the uh, of the real core zingers here are blue. So happy. Uh, you know, that was what I was watching the game last night, Dennis, and I didn't really I don't really have any skin in the game. I'm not a Michigan fan, not a Washington fan, but I was thinking in my head, I was like, you know what? Work will probably be a lot better for me. <laughs> the end of the yeah. week if michigan Probably wins so uh you know i was like you know my, my job will be safe if michigan wins so i might as well root for, <laughs> might as well you know all the bosses are in good mood might as well root for michigan um so dennis i mean you know from a macro standpoint jerome powell you know when we started raising rates to kill inflation he was talking mm -hmm. a lot about we're gonna see pain in the labor market and we hadn't really seen it unemployment stayed steady still at 3.6 percent uh, basically at pre-COVID levels. Uh, and now, though, we're starting to maybe see some more layoffs. I mean, I don't know if maybe companies were waiting for the beginning of the year for whatever reason, but, I mean, right at the new year, we had Xerox announcing it was laying off a bunch of staff. Uh, and then we had another big one this morning, Unity, announced it is laying off, what was it, 25% of its yeah. workforce, uh, uh, 1,800 employees, as you can see here, the headline in Benzinga Pro. Uh, now you've been in the markets a little longer than I have, Dennis, but if it were me and I'm just, you know, going based off this and I hear a company's laying off 25% of its workforce, that's yeah. not a company I'd want to go out and buy, but I'm clearly in the minority here because the, the, the unity stock is up 2.3% yesterday after closing up more than 3% yesterday. Um, I mean, is this, is this the, is this the type of market we're in? Where when a company's announcing layoffs, and okay, they're doing some cost-cutting measures. Yeah. We, we, I mean, look at what happened with Meta last year. Meta laid off, uh, you know, a bunch of staff last year, and and the stock, you know, that's not why the stock ripped higher, but it, it continued to do well. I mean, would you be buying this down here amid it, these layoffs? It's been so, and you're making an accurate assumption here. It's been this type of market where they have applauded job cutting because obviously getting the cost down because they know demand has stayed strong. The problem here, not just with Unity, but the problem going forward is demand is teetering in some areas here. And we've talked about, you know, this economy 
potentially going into a recession. I've kind of taken the recession camp up because I believe the Fed won't allow it to happen. That's the only reason. But you can see there's tweaks here in the economy. You know, you can see Canada's been in a recession here for the last six months. Two negative quarters of GDP can feel it slower in Canada. Not like it's crazy, like everything is collapsing. Jobs are still strong here. You can still get a job. But, you know, we're, on, we're, we, we're, we're in a, a light little recession here in Canada. The U.S. would naturally want to go into that. Rates would start to bring us into it. But I do believe that the Fed will not allow that to happen, which is why I don't think we're going to go in a recession. But there's certain pockets here where we're starting to see demand just teeter just a little bit here. So multiple warnings last night. Let's take it outside the U.S. first. You got Samsung, which is warning over overseas. Um, but then take it back here. You get microchip warning. Unity does 25% layoff to the workforce. When you lay off 5%, it's cost cutting. When you're laying off 25%, it's usually because it's a demand issue here. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Unity actually ends up trading in the red here today. Um, on this, I still have a small, small piece of this. I had a, a bunch of stock and I sold it. I have a small piece left. This company just doesn't seem well managed, though. So I'm almost thinking of just dumping the rest of it just to be done with this. I might move it into other things. And I'll tell you those other things I'm moving into because I'm going to unveil a new trading acronym here today. Uh, but just taking it back here, I think we can't just sit back and say, yeah, cost-cutting measures. This is going to be, you know, the way, you know, that this economy is going to, um, um, you know, or the way stocks are going to continue to rally when they're laying off 25% of the workforce. I think we're going to move into a different type where you start seeing layoffs because of demand issues and those stocks probably start to get hit. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think you, you brought up a good point there, Dennis, where, you know, you said you could kind of start to feel the economy slowing in Canada, which when we're talking about these macro things, I mean, the economy, it's what it does, right? It goes through these cycles where it's in a boom cycle and then, you know, might slow down. But I think it's important to like recognize that you can have some of these downturns where there might be some slowing, without it being this like massive crash. I think the like 08, you know, 07, 08 financial crisis has kind of like altered our perception where any slowdown in the economy, people freak out and think we're going to see this like huge, massive recession and market crash and sell all stocks. Whereas I'm like, no, I mean, that's normal, right? You're going to see some the economy slowing sometimes. and then Ebbs the, and flows. Ebbs and flows, exactly. So I think it's important to be able to play these without going straight to that doom and gloom uh, scenario. Uh, and then, so let, let's that, move. That, I want to stop you right there because it's something that, you know, we don't often say on the show. And when I say something bearish, people think it's all doom and gloom. And when I say something bullish, people always take it to the extremes. What you just said, um, you know, perfectly encompasses what trading is all about. Trading those ebbs and flows and not going full on, oh, it's going to be Harry Dent, we're going to have an 80% crash this year, or Peter Schiff calling for the crash for the umpteenth time. Um, if you're saying something bearish, and you know, we, 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 you're as a trader, you know, need to be able to trade both ways. You as a day trader, I'm not speaking to you long-term investors. If you're a long-term investor, buy good companies at reasonable valuations. We're going to try to give you some of those today. But if you're a day trader, you've got to be able to trade those ebbs and flows. Because if you're just long only, there is very difficult to make money in a year like 2022. Very, very, very difficult to make money in a year like 2022. In 2023, you probably did okay if you're long only. So, I mean, yeah, maybe 70% of the years, if you're long only, you're probably going to do okay as a day trader. But those down years can really be rough too. And those down moments pockets can really be rough. I do think if you want to trade as a business, you've got to be able to short stocks. And there's people out there who believe shorting is just flat out evil and wrong. It's what keeps the market efficient, folks. Shorting is necessary because we know when you get rid of shorts, you lose all your market liquidity and then you can't get out of stock. So that's why shorting is essential to this market. Yeah. And I've found when I'm like struggling as a, uh, at, you know, with my trading, it's, what's, it's when I'm stuck on one way, when I keep trying to play the market bullish and like I, it's in a downtrend and I can't find that break or I'm, I'm trying to stay bearish and the market keeps going up. So it's important to be able to do both. I like to do both. Um, but again, I think it's really easy when you get, you know, caught up in, in, in you have one sentiment where it's either bullish or bearish and then you, you kind of are stuck doing that. But yeah, I mean, uh, you're going to see guys where, where if you ever get bearish news, right, you're going to have like the zero hedges of the world that are going to always make it out to be that, oh, my God, the sky is falling. But it's not usually the That's case. That's media. 
It's that's media, media, right? It's, that's going to get the most attention is if you yeah. say, oh, my Headline. God, the unemployment ticked up. 14% interest rates. Rick Santelier, 12% of whatever he was calling for right at the TLT bottom, whatever he was calling for. I mean, that was headlines driven by CNBC. They drove that headline. That interest rates were, we had 5% and they were going to 14. That couldn't have been, the, that was the worst call of the year. CNBC talks nothing about that now. It was the absolutely worst call of the year. Yes, Rick Santelli, you had the worst call of the year talking about interest rates going to 14%. But that's media driving headlines. What can we say? Cool. Maybe CNBC pushed them to say that. I don't know. But that was just a ridiculous statement. There was no way they were ever going there. Logically, it made no sense. Imagine we went to 14%. There's no economy left. The U.S. deficit's $34 trillion. <laughs> How the hell are they supporting that? The interest payment at 5% is now the biggest expense on the taxpayers. Imagine at 13 or 14%. So, I mean, it's just a ridiculous comment. But, you know, so I went on a little rant there. But, I mean, this is the media. So you've got to watch what you see on CNBC. You've got to watch, you know, even what we say, sometimes we get excited and we maybe overshoot or exaggerate. But the one thing that I do well is change my mind. And you, as a trader, talking to the traders out there, are obligated to change your mind. Just staying one view forever. I'm going to be a day trader for 30 years. I'm only going to be bullish. You're an investor if you're doing it that way. Way different than a day trader because you've got to be able to feel the ebbs and flows of the market. Is 2024 going to be like 2023 straight up and rip roaring rally? I don't think so. Is every day in 2024 going to be up like yesterday? I don't think so. I think it's going to be a rougher year, but I think there's going to be pockets of strength. And when you identify those as long traders, investors, you identify those, but also take advantage of the weakness. When you see certain areas that are weak, don't be afraid to short those areas. 100%. Well, uh, Dennis, moving on, we, we, you know, we had another downgrade this morning in, in big tech, uh, and that's coming uh, from uh, Citigroup to Netflix. Downgrades Netflix to neutral announces a $500 price target. Uh, Netflix trading down in the news about 2% this morning. I mean, this was one of your huge winners from last year. If we look at yes. the da daily chart here on Netflix, you can see, uh, I mean, just looking at 2023, started the year at $270 around there, ended the year at around $470. So anytime you have, I mean, this is what, what's crazy to me about last year's market. Uh, Dennis is these huge tech companies, these, you know, multi, multi hundred billion dollar tech companies. A lot of them were up like a hundred, you know, you look at NVIDIA and it's, and it's, it's these, these, these companies, like in terms of market cap, their moves, I mean, NVIDIA probably added what $300 billion in market cap yesterday alone. Like some of these huge mega cap tech stocks are trading like they're small caps. Uh, so for Netflix to finish up more than a hundred percent last year, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if I'd be chasing and, it up here. At and it's lofty expectations to expect that to happen again. Right. So, I mean, you know, you think about long-term stock market performance. It's 8% a year, folks. It's not 80% a year. It's 8% a year. So when you get these 100% moves up in stocks, a lot of times there's digestion periods. You know, sometimes it's just got a company that's just way undervalued and it's going to grow like crazy. In the case of Netflix, we also have to consider that this thing was just way overvalued when it got to $700 back in 2021. Then it overshot to the downside when it got down to a PE of 15 when I actually talked about it on this show saying I'm adding to my Netflix position. Because a PE of 15 to 16 just seems really cheap for a company growing as much as Netflix. And I bought stock at $175. Um, that ended up being a fantastic purchase. I ended up selling because I always sell too soon. You know how I am about 330, 340. But it was a great one. I mean, this is, you know, what you do is you buy those stocks at reasonable valuations. Netflix valuation is no longer reasonable, trading over 40 times earnings. So I think there's a cool off period maybe for it again, unless they come out with something and they start to grow earnings rapidly. So that's why I'm kind of with City here. I think neutral's a call. I don't think Netflix is crashing back down to 300. I don't think it's flying up to 700 though anytime soon. I feel like it's slightly overvalued here. Could multiple expansion go a little bit further on it? Maybe, but I mean, it had a pretty good year. Maybe you have a cool off year for Netflix. Yeah, and I'm with you where like I, I do like Netflix's management team. I think long term the company will continue to grow. Uh, but there are a lot of things that are kind of on the precipice for the company, whether it's talking about, you know, bringing gaming or live sports to the platform that I still think are like a ways away 
to where the company, I think, in the near term doesn't really have enough catalyst to get me really excited about it. Because like you said, I mean, once the, the, the juice has already kind of been squeezed out of here, right? You've already gone up I from 270 so. to 500. So I'm not really going to get excited about this. I mean, looking at the chart, looks like you might have some, uh, you know, if we clear these levels, okay. But then do, is it really going to get all the way back to 700 with interest rates above 4%? No, probably not. Yeah. Uh, of course, I mean, the way the market was trading the last three months of 2023, it looked like, sure, it can get to new all-time highs. Why wouldn't it? All tech stocks were, were, were going crazy. But now, uh, you know, maybe the market's getting a little bit more reasonable on these names. Um, another uh, downgrade we had this morning in the airline space, JetBlue, uh, coming from Bank of America, B of A, securities <coughs> downgrades, JetBlue Airways to underperform. Lowers price target to three dollars. I mean, there, there is a, another story happening here with JetBlue, and you know, you've seen some airlines, you know, that ha have you know bounced from the COVID lows. JetBlue is one that is actually trading below its COVID lows, and when you have stocks trading below their COVID lows, there's fundamental problems with the companies at this point in time. I mean, they didn't even weren't even flying passenger planes. At the I was going to say, I mean, the, the COVID so, lows when they so weren't even obviously operating. there's fundamental problems here. I'm not an airline analyst; I don't follow it closely enough, but I do look at technicals here, and you know, like stocks like LUV bounced at the COVID lows, stocks like AAL bounced at the COVID lows. JetBlue is now below its COVID lows. That's concerning. So I, I would just say I'm out because there's something else happening here. There's a lot of airliners out there. I'm not saying JetBlue is going bankrupt, but I'm saying it's definitely weakest of breed. I don't like buying weakest of breed. So Worst yeah, there, breed, there's, the, there's a, uh, a still a potential merger, I believe, with Spirit, I guess, is there maybe concerns that that deal is not going to go through? That's been going on forever. I mean, that's two years in the making. I kind of don't even consider that going to go through at all because it's two years in the making. I mean, Save was trading off of JetBlue for a while. They've kind of even decoupled at this point in time. I just, you know, I don't think that merger is going through. And yeah. I don't think that, I don't know if that's the reason why JetBlue is trading down. I don't know why that's, if that's the downgrade, if that was the reason for it. I didn't read the analyst note. I just think there's, I just don't want to buy stocks that are trading, write that down. If the stock's trading below its COVID lows, any any stock really there's there's issues there's problems here so i think i'm just staying away from stocks trading below their covid lows that's a good rule of thumb i'll have to I'll, I'll i'll try to i'll notice that now when i'm pulling up charts and maybe try to come up with a list because like you said i mean when the when the whole economy stopped planes weren't flying companies shut down their factories and the and the market crashed you know 20 plus percent if your stock, if your share price can't be above that low two years later when the economy is super hot and unemployment's low, then Means I don't know. Got management problems. I don't know what you're Thumbs doing up. yet. I don't Thumbs know what, what's going on. But yeah, we, we talked about the big, you know, obviously headline in the airline space yesterday with the Boeing panel that blew out on a plane. Uh, emergency landings, emergency landing stock closed down more than 8% yesterday. Uh, and then, you know, more fallout throughout the day that we didn't talk about. Because uh, it hadn't happened yet, but when they started inspecting these planes, started finding more problems on the same model on that 737 Max. Some United Airlines uh, planes had loose bolts and stuff. Which I mean, like coming straight out off that news, the video of the of the door blowing off. That's the last thing you need if you're Boeing is to hear that. Oh, we actually found a lot more problems in a lot of these planes. Um, and, and UAL actually traded up yesterday and is trading up again this morning uh i mean i don't really know i don't i don't know how big of a deal this is going to be my question i guess dennis is do you think there's any chance that this actually hurts demand over the next few months for flights i mean i i don't love flying personally and that definitely doesn't make me feel better knowing that hey some of these bolts and stuff were just left loose like people weren't checking them. Uh, um, <laughs> Let's I, I get some better checks involved here. Yeah. I mean, it's not fantastic news here. This is why we said yesterday, wait for the dust to settle. We don't know where we're going here. Now they're finding loose bolts. So I'm like, I don't wait for more dust to settle because I don't want to find more loose bolts. Right. So, you buy the stock and then they find loose, yeah, you know, more wing, loose, they, bolts. loose wings. So, oh, this wing was about loose, to fall. <laughs> loose doors. Loose, yeah. you know, like the, these planes are a little bit loose. Okay. So it's down two more bucks. You know, I think it's a no touch still. We're in news digestion periods. There's periods where major news comes out on a stock 
and you have to digest it and more information is still disseminating to the market. We're still in news dissemination here and news digestion with Boeing. That is not an investable time because we don't know the, all the information. You know, you know, we don't know like regulators step in and say, that's it. Take all these Boeing planes down. We find loose bolts on them all. We're going to sit them all down. And right now we're going with air. But we don't know. That could happen. And, and that could be on for months. So we don't know. So I think at this point in time, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying there is the potential for that to happen. And that's the risk. What happens, you know, if, you know, regulators come in and ground a bunch more Boeing planes, Boeing falls another 10, 20 points. I don't want to eat that. And I don't think it's just going to bounce right back. Like maybe they say, we tighten the bolts and it's all cured. Um, you know, maybe, but does it bounce right back or do people still say, well, why were they loose in the first place? So, and Boeing, let's talk about valuation here too. Valuation isn't crazy, but this is a company that has actually not been performing well, even before the loose bolts and even before the other max issues here, we got a P of 52 on this puppy. And that's because the earnings have fallen substantially from where they used to be. Could the earnings come back up? Yes. We also have a massive amount of debt in Boeing. Interest rates are still high, and they will have to service that debt and probably refinance that debt at some point in time. I haven't analyzed to see when their refinancing is due, but $47 billion in debt on a $138 billion company is not pocket change. So I think I stay away from Boeing at this time. It is not going to be in my acronym. I didn't call it NABA. I called my acronym, trading acronym NASA, which we will get to shortly. Yeah. And again, we're going to be releasing some of these trading acronyms this week. Uh, you know, you, you have your FANG, you have all, all these different acronyms out there, but we're coming with our own that, you know, we'll, we're going to have Joel do one. We're going to have AB do one. I'm going to kickstart it here today. Our buddy, Tim Seymour came out with his last night on fast money. And I'm like, I'm going to come out with a trading acronym here too. And I'd already been thinking about it. You guys all know what the N is and it's going to, you know, tick some people off probably, but it's going to make some other people happy. And anyway, so we're going to get to my trading acronym here on the back part of the show, but we're still doing news here. It's news time. Microchip. We just barely covered. We just mentioned it here, but I want to get into the details on this one, AB, because microchip is trading down $3. This was a zinger here for a lot of stocks last night. Give us the details on MCHP. Um, so, uh, we have a, uh, a potential merger in this space. So, uh, Steve Nicholas, I'm in Benzinga pro right now. It says remains a buy down three and a half percent. Okay. So just talking to... the news, uh, sorry, I'm throwing you under the bus here. I'm talking yeah, about the preliminary results of 410. So microchip MCHP, uh, provided preliminary fiscal year, third quarter release results. Oh, here we and go. they said Q3 revenue was to fall 22%. Yeah compared to what they were saying 15 to 20. So they already kind of warned and they said it was going to be down 15 to 20. Now they're saying it's going to be worse yet at 22%. Microchip gets hammered on that news last night. I fell right out of bed. I actually went short the SMH right on that uh, news. Like I just immediately hit the SMH, which actually worked out. I covered it already, but it worked out for a really good quick trade. Um, don't tell me you can't make money trading news. Microchip um, falls and then all the other uh, my, the chips, NXPI, falls in sympathy, Texas Instruments starts falling, on Semiconductor, ON starts falling, ADI, Analog Devices starts falling, AVGO was down last night, it's still down here a little bit here, all those start getting hit. So MCHP kind of put a little bit of hit on, a lot of those chips had really good days yesterday, we know NVIDIA obviously with its AI chips was driving the bus, but NVIDIA still is driving the bus here this morning, which is a whole other story. But uh, microchip here, putting a little hit on the other chip stocks. Yeah, and I mean, it's almost kind of similar, I, I guess, to the, you know, Mobileye last week said that they were, mm. you know, uh, you know, revenue was going to be down. I mean, that was worse because that was, what, 50% the revenue was going to be down year over year on the, on the thing. Huge so, hit. Either yeah. way, like you said, when the company's already warning, hey, this is going to be a down quarter, we expect it to be 15 to 20%. And then next thing you know, they come back and say, actually, it's going to be closer to 22%. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's bad. I mean, and it, I guess the one uh, you know positive thing is if you're bullish to stock, you can say, okay, well, they already lowered the bar for expectations. So now you're not seeing it get hit like as hard as Mobileye did because you know, you're seeing it down 3.5% because, again, that, that bar was already lowered. Uh, but it, you know, still, when you lower the bar and then have to come in below that, not really what you want to see. Typically, no. you like to see companies 
you know, give that warning, get that price movement out of the way, see the share price drop. And then they come in and say, hey, actually, you know, we, we came in in line or we actually did better than expected, which obviously not the case here for microchip, um, which kind of in line, Dennis, with what, you know, we only briefly mentioned Samsung earlier, too. Um, but this has like been my kind of uh, thought process thing I'm noticing in the tech world is outside of the best of breed. A lot of these tech companies seem to be struggling kind of your mid tier, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess you can't really call microchip a mid cap because it's still a $50 billion company. Um, but just your names that aren't your like mag seven tech stocks seem to be having some demand problems uh right now and and i you know do you expect that to continue you know for a lot of years you could just buy any name in tech buy any name in the queues and you were rewarded now it seems a lot more like hey some of these companies are starting to feel the effects from higher interest rates maybe starting to feel some demand effects from uh, a slowing global economy uh would you be kind of staying away from these mid-tier names in the tech world or do you think there'll be a buying opportunity at some point? I think you got to be selective in what you're choosing for 2024 because it's not going to be as easy as it was in 2023 especially at the last two months where everything just went up you know it's just buy a stock blind and you make money the last two months of 2023. I don't think it's gonna be that easy. I think you have to be a little bit more stock selective. I think you got to pay attention to the news and just try to you know figure out because there is going to be pockets of this economy that are going to start to slow. I mean, interest rates have taken their toll on a lot of different countries. Not so much the U.S. We've talked about this before because they got those 30-year locked-in mortgages there. So people aren't feeling it as hard as they are in other countries where they don't have 30-year locked-in mortgages. Max banks, Canadian banks give out is usually five. So, I mean, you're, you're starting to feel interest rates in Canada. So the economy is going to start to slow in certain pockets. Again, though, with the Fed behind us, they start lowering rates. I'll probably prop stocks back up. But there's going to be earnings warnings, folks. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in just this boom, huge expansion cycle here. The reason the Fed, the reason the Powell pivoted, and he did, the reason he pivoted at the last meeting is because he's anticipating this slowdown. And you know what? It's probably coming. So get ready for it. You're going to see more earnings warnings. There's not going to be a lot of companies coming out and raise and beat and raise and beat. I think there's going to be a couple. I'll talk about those in my acronym. But I think um, overall, I think that um, you're going to see pockets of a slowdown here. So, and then we're seeing it obviously with microchip here today, also uh, Unity, which, you know, I think when you're getting rid of 25% of your workforce, it's because you're slowing down. I don't think that's cost cutting at that point in time. Um, so, yeah. So yeah. that's just my quick thoughts. It was a question from the chat here, though. And I still, I just want to address it. Somebody was saying, where do we get the microchip news? So it's important in your Benzinga Pro to make sure you have press releases. So if you go to your sources, I don't know if you want to actually show this, maybe you yep. can show this AB, because some people don't have this check mark. So what happens is you have Benzinga, our news desk giving information, but you also have press releases where the company sends out a press release to all news media sources. Benzinga does have that as well. So if you go into your news and then you hit your sources, um, actually, I, I hit. I have a tab, so right under news, I, I just go to press releases right there, here. Yeah, and make sure so in your pro that you have press releases in there, and you'll right. see at four ten. You see it there. The the from where it yeah. came from. The four ten microchip provides fiscal. That was a press release from Global Newswires. So you've got to make sure you have your press releases checked in that box so that you're not you're getting all the news sources. So that's where you get that news. So if you were missing that, it's because it was a press release. Benzinga Pro will summarize it, you know, shortly afterwards. There'll be an article from Benzinga Pro on there as well a minute later. But we have to read it and then give you a quick summary. So our news desk physically reads it and then gives you our little summary of it too. But the press release is hot off the press. So, I mean, that's why you want to have that checked in there too. So you can get all this in your Benzinga Pro. So that's where you get it at the 410. And it knocked it, it, it microchip down significantly and it knocked down all these other ones I said. NXPI, Text Instruments, ON, ADI. AVGO all went down and the overall queues went down because of microchip. Yeah. And you can see that right here, Dennis, I'll zoom in. So you can see right at 410. I mean, on the second, this press release hit Benzinga pro. Uh, and then, you know, less than a minute and a half, 90 seconds later, uh, we had the, the kind of, uh, recap of the press release just in the pro headline right here. So that if you didn't want to have to go through the whole, uh, press release, you can wait for that. But like to Dennis's point, if you really want to trade the news, then you got to have this in right the second that it hits it. Uh, so make sure that in your sources, the press releases are selected. You can also sort through just the press releases right here on the tab. Um, but yeah, you can, you can, you can select 
you know, which where you're getting the sources from, whether it's just the BZ wire, but you know, I, I like to have everything on here. Um, but Dennis, so yesterday we talked about how oil was trading down, could be a big day for tech today, oil trading higher. Uh, the USO up more than 2% pre-market. This comes just, you know, after a couple down weeks in a row uh, from oil, obviously trading down now to 67. I mean, the USO, if you look back just in, in October, was up at 82. Um, you know, and there's always these headlines. Like, I, I don't really follow the price action of oil on a day-to-day -day basis because I don't under, I mean, like today, all the all the news organizations are saying because of tensions in the Middle East. Well, hasn't, hasn't there been tensions in the Middle East for the past you know, two, two months in the past five, you know, there's always tensions in the Middle East. So I don't know how much that's really impacting the price action of oil this morning. Um, but either way, do you expect because oil's up today uh, that tech is going to have a down day? Do you think we have that type of inverse correlation? We right now? do. And this is a very good point that you're making. We have had this inverse correlation with oil for a very long time. And don't kid yourself, oil getting hammered yesterday was green light go for tech. You know, yes, I talked about rotation, you know, stock selling like Boeing, you know, and, and but also oil was a big tell. When you see oil getting hammered, it means, you know, like that, you know, again, you know, we're worried about inflation, worried about all these things. But, you know, you had multiple sectors where Boeing was getting hit, some of the industrials were getting hit, oil was getting hit. Natural rotation would probably be that they would buy tech and they absolutely did. So that's why I was bullish on tech yesterday. We have a different market here today oil is rallying a little bit here this morning it did bounce off those lows yesterday so that is somewhat concerning we don't want to see oil start ripping because remember when oil had its rip roaring rally in the summertime that was a very weak time for stocks so i mean we've seen this inverse correlation with spy or whatever you want to look at iwm and oil here for a while july oil started to bottom and started to rally and what did stocks do? They topped out in July and started to sell off till October. So keep in mind, AB is giving you a very good inverse relationship that overall, this isn't hold forever. But in the last year, oil has been moving inversely with stocks. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And then, you know, you also had rates start to move higher this morning, which obviously with the uh, tech stocks, that's going to impact those as well. So you have kind of that double whammy. Do you, I don't know how much you follow the bond market uh dennis but we had uh this hopefully isn't a santinelli type of, i don't think it is because i i respect this guy a little bit more but bill gross former bond king said uh tweeted last night on the bond front the u.s 10-year yield at four percent is overvalued while the 10-year tip at 180 is the better choice uh can you walk me through this a little bit dennis because i don't really uh, I'm not a bond trader either, so you're throwing me under the bus okay. here too. I have not seen this tweet, so let's read it out loud together. Taking a bow not only for regional bank recommendations six months ago, he did make a good call on the regional banks, and he did, I forget which six, but did pick out six regional banks, maybe it was four. It was four regional banks, and they all rallied substantially there, so Bill Gross did make a good call there. And I perfectly understand that because I trade regional banks all the time. I am not a bond trader, so you're going to ask me a tough question here in a second. Six months ago, but mortgage rates in December. I still like the CPRI for a merger. Herb, target 50 on the bond front. UST 10 year at 4% is overvalued. Wow. Okay. So he's made, basically just saying it sounds like he the bond correction here, which we have, or the bond rally that we've had here because yields have come down. Maybe he sounds like it's a little bit overdone at this point in time. That's how I'm reading that. So he's saying that he thinks yields are going to go back up. So he wouldn't be I buying think the so. bonds. I think, he's, he, he, I think he's saying we just went from five to four. Got so, it. I mean, and it's been a pretty substantial rally here, and maybe we got to cool off a bit. That's how I read a chat. If I'm wrong, let me know. I'm not a bond trader, but that's how I'm reading that. So, I think he thinks bonds are going to start to, you know, maybe weaken here just a little bit. An overshoot to the upside. And I mean, it's been a substantial rally. I bought the TLT, and I was early buying the TLT. I bought it at 86 and went down to 82. I'm up over 10% in that in a month and a half. I'm up 10% in a conservative TLT investment. So, I mean, is it overdone? Maybe, maybe we're a little bit overdone. Maybe we need a cool off period. So I'm kind of with, I'm kind of with Bill here. I think rates, you know, we're all thinking that just rates are just going to go straight back, you know, down to 2% here. And we're going to live happily ever after just buying stocks in a free money environment. Even if the Fed has pivoted, they haven't even started lowering rates yet. And it doesn't just mean that rates are going to fall off a cliff. Higher rates are here for a while because we have now determined and seen with proof that the economy can handle higher rates. So why would you all of a sudden 
just, you know, lower rates back down to where they were and then just ask inflation to come back. So, I mean, that's on the short end. And obviously the Fed doesn't control the long end and Bill's talking about the long end here. But the long end still is somewhat following what the short end is doing, what the Fed is thinking. So, I mean, I think rates maybe, you know, the TLT just went from 82 to 100. 100 is a natural stopping point for it. It's funny. You look at the technicals on the TLT. Stopped right at 100 bucks, And that was where old support was for the first half of 2023. TLT would not breach 100. We talked about it. And then finally collapsed. So it comes back up to that point of old support, becomes new resistance. So if the TLT sells back off to 90, do stocks start going back down? I think so. Yeah. And so I, I, I think, you know, so I think Bill Gross was basically saying, yeah, don't buy the 4%, the 4%, you know, 10 year now because it's probably going to go up in the near term. And he's saying buy the, you know, two year, get some money back for that while you're waiting for the other one to go up. Uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, he, you know, Bill Gross, I, I don't follow the bond market that closely, but when he Me says neither. something, he, you know, is typically, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll defer to, to my man, Bill. I think Bill Gross knows the bond market, you know, better than most people, including myself. So I, I'll defer to Ackman. Okay. Ackman to be the best. He's all, he, actually called the bottom of the bonds. He hey. covered his bond shorts and that was the absolute bottom. So I will defer to Ackman for all bond information going forward. If that, if that tweet came from Ackman, I would sell my TLT today. Ackman might be a little distracted right now to be looking at the bond market. He's on his yeah. own little personal mission, but it is 8.36 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Uh, we've got my man, J.R. Romero, hanging out backstage from T3 Trading. Uh, so without further ado, Dennis, let's go ahead and give J.R. our very special uh, Benzinga pre-market prep. Welcome and bring him on the show. How are you doing this morning? Welcome back to pre-market prep. Good morning, team. What's going on, guys? JR, how are you? Nice to see you again. Enjoyed our chat last time here. And I want to get your thoughts here because it's been a different 2024 <laughs> than 2023. I mean, the last two months of 2023, everything rip, roar, and rally. Buy a stock blindly and make money. First week of 2024 was like, oh, you know, it's not simple, not that easy. But then yesterday, it all seemed easy again here because everything started bouncing back here. We've mm -hmm. had a little bit of bounce. Now, do you think this bounce continues or was this just, you know, kind of a dead cap bounce yesterday? You'd be selling this rally. What are your thoughts here? First, sum up the first week of 2024 trading. And then what do you see going forward? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you guys on that Michigan win. Oh, I, am, <laughs> I am in Huskies territory here in northern Idaho. And uh, a lot of teary eyes. Lot of teary oh, eyes. it's hard. That's the one thing, you know, and I always say that in sports. I mean, it's awesome when your team wins, but as much, you know, joy that Michigan feels here this morning, you got to feel for, you know, obviously, the Washington fans here. They played a hard game. You know, at the end, Michigan was just too strong. But, I mean, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, you have 14-0 and season. You're coming in here. You're feeling it. You're there. And then you lose in that final. I've been there, you know, like when my sports teams, too, and lost in the final game. And it's a heartbreaker. So we do feel for those Washington fans there, JR. But, you know, thank you very much for the congratulations. A lot of happy fans of Michigan here right now. I want to see Joel in full face paint uh, when he comes back. That's <laughs> he, my he will be back tomorrow, and he'll have some stories, I'm sure. <laughs> That's great. Also, I have a vote on the new uh, FANG designation. It's a gig economy, so I think we should just go with only FANGs. I think that's my vote for uh, <laughs> the new designation. Okay. All right. <laughs> Anyways, so, uh, yeah, so we came in. Uh, Santa went ice fishing for a few days. And uh, what I was looking at was the weekly charts on some of these uh, cloud and cybersecurity names, as well as, of course, NVIDIA. We've been waiting for that break of NVIDIA through that, I think, 505.48 for several weeks now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went, uh, I'm a big fan of waiting. I'm a big, big fan of waiting and letting things set up. So yesterday we uh, we went heavy on NVIDIA off, uh, off the, uh, right off the open. And wow. uh, just, it was the right time. The stars were aligned and in, in the room we were, focusing heavily on cybersecurity names, uh, your CrowdStrikes, your Zscalers, and uh, focusing heavily on NVIDIA. You can see on the weekly, you have a beautiful buy setup uh, with a shakeout bar through a higher pivot low. And that weekly chart on NVDA 
was just uh, telling me it was the right time on the weekly time frame uh, to to buy the shakeout. Uh, so we we anticipated the the break through um, through 497 and added through 500, uh, just anticipating that 50548 break. And uh, woke up with a Nvidia hangover this morning. So uh, you know, <laughs> time to ring that register. I personally think that we're potentially, as far as the SMP is concerned, uh, you know, we had I, I called for a retracement uh, yesterday, uh, a bounce uh, off, uh, so a retracement from the pullback, right? And then uh, you know we're looking for an ABCD pattern, so a second leg lower in the SMP. Uh, uh, potentially uh, to retest at 4703.50. So I'm, I'm a big fan of two-wave correctives in the market. I think they're healthy. And and so as far as the S&Ps are concerned, I'm, I'm looking for a second leg off of our, uh, you know, off of our pullback from, was it 4840? I'm looking at the S&P futures, of course. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, this market excels in, in in this in this new age of the market uh, at really trapping longs and shorts uh, collectively. Yeah. yeah. And so you know when 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 we were set to bounce yesterday, I told my room guys, it's time for a technical bounce. But I'm looking for a retracement, not a new high. Yeah. And and potentially you know this pullback we've had is potentially leg one of two. So approach this market with caution. We're yep. going to get a bounce in tech. We're going to get a bounce in a lot of these cloud and cybersecurity names. Yep. Just look at the, those weekly charts. You have really strong shakeout bars, but um, stay stay nimble. Stay stealth, uh, stay stealthy. Stay nimble because uh, this is most likely a retracement off of a two-wave corrective. And, and I think I think it's just like I, again, we get over half of the year's losses back on one trading day, and it all feels really good. And everybody, <laughs> we go again. 2023 we're going to just be off to the races and the markets are going to go up 40 percent this year i just don't think it's going to be that easy i've been kind of on the this could be a cooler year i don't think we're crashing giving it all back but this could be a year that we just chop around a lot you know maybe that's going to be a good trading year if you're fading moves so i think you know you're fading the move from yesterday or two days ago where you're buying the dip. Now, if you're selling the rip yesterday, maybe you're going to be happy you were doing that too apparently overnight here so maybe 2024 is going to be the year of the fade trade I completely agree with you, Dennis. You know, we had we had twelve years of a Bernanke infused uh, quantitative easing cocktail. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it was very easy to play checkers in that market. Now we're playing a little bit more chess, and and uh, that means you have to fade moves. You have to really pay attention to the price cycle. And uh, if you're bought, you know, if you bought the market at the close yesterday, you're probably feeling some pain today. Right. If you're not anticipating those corrective moves, you're probably underwater. And the news flow here, too. I mean, we've got different news flows. We got microchip that warned last night. Obviously, we're going to get the Juniper here news, too. That's potentially going to get bought by HPE. So it's like good news, bad news. Like you got some retailers reporting pretty good holiday sales and you have Unity cutting 25 percent of its workforce, which doesn't sound great to me. I mean, yeah. there's there's so much you know news flow that has been coming out here in the first week or two, and then analysts' opinions as well. I mean, we yeah. know January is always a very big week. The first week of January is always huge for analyst ratings because they want to get their yearly picks out there. They want to get out there and say you know their voices so they can make a name for themselves. Um, yeah. But we've had a number of downgrades, which isn't you know what we were seeing in 2023. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of analysts maybe just ringing the register here, and you know whether you believe them or not, you have to respect them because they move price. So when, right. you know, there's two analyst downgrades of Apple last week. You want to know why Apple was down 10 points last week? Well, it got downgraded <laughs> twice. That was the main reason. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. The problem is if you're, you know, like BMO Capital Markets this morning came out loaded for bear. You know, if you're, ch if you're chasing those, those upgrades, you're, you're doing it the wrong way, unfortunately. Right. So it, it's going to be a challenging market. I'm really excited. Uh, you know, people complain all the time. Oh, it's so choppy. It's so range bound. I'm looking at the intraday chart saying like you've got 40, 50 point moves intraday every day. This market is, uh, is, is a day traders, uh, is, is a day traders Disneyland. I mean, you really, if you're a technical trader in this market, you're doing really well. You just cannot chase in a market like this. You have to know your levels, understand demand and supply and, and really play, 
the relationships, play the sentiment, uh, and really stay ahead of the analysts if you want to make money. So, JR, right now, I mean, you mentioned NVIDIA. Are there any other stocks that you'd be looking at for leaders? I mean, if we get more days like yesterday where, uh, you know, everything ends up green, are there other stocks you're looking at that could potentially break out here and, and, and be market leaders? Yeah, so um, CrowdStrike and, and Zscaler, the, those two names uh, particularly come to mind. CrowdStrike is about to break out on the monthly. It had a strong upgrade this morning. Uh, I believe uh, CrowdStrike, who came out on CrowdStrike this morning? Oh, uh, let's see. Let's uh, go Morgan to our Stanley, right? Morgan. Yep, Morgan Stanley raises yeah. price target to 304. And the stock's only trading at 265. So a lot of times you see these price targets kind of yeah. close to where they're trading at. This is a big, uh, you know, that's a, that's a good healthy return if it ends up hitting that price target from where we're at now. So going back to the chart, like you said, on the monthly here, uh, you can see we're, we're, you know, have recovered beautifully here and almost at these all-time highs of, of 296. Still got a little bit of a ways to go, but uh, do you yeah. expect this to basically just keep going up till those previous highs? Uh, I do. I, I think the cybersecurity story is only going to get uh, stronger and wilder. Yeah. Uh, with, with with the prevalence of AI and issues regarding authorization and authentication uh, in a world where you don't know what's real anymore, uh, cybersecurity is going to take a front row seat. It, it Cybersecurity is becoming an AI play very, very quickly. A lot of people have been focusing on, on the actual uh, semiconductors, which is the right play, but... Uh, Many investors have actually undermined the importance of cybersecurity with the rise of AI, and, and I think that that is going to be uh, a fantastic play in the next year, especially coming into a year where we're, we may have a, a high prevalence of cybersecurity attacks with all the political, geopolitical, and uh, uh, electoral instability heading our way. 2024 is going to be a wild year, and I think cybersecurity is going to be um, very much on the forefront. That is interesting with how much attention tech gets and the big tech companies and NVIDIA and whatever you haven't. I haven't really heard much. I mean, during COVID, a lot of these uh, cybersecurity stocks were, were going crazy. I know Fortinet. I mean, if you look at Fortinet on the monthly chart uh, here, when, when COVID hit, this thing was just going straight. It went, mm -hmm. you know, just straight up. And then obviously through some consolidation, a uh, big red candle on the monthly here in August, down 22%. I don't know if that was a bad earnings report or something. Um, but do you like any other name? And you mentioned Zscaler. Do you mention uh, any other names in the cyberspace like Fortinet, Crowd, uh, that you think could trade with CrowdStrike? Uh, I tr I typically trade um, Arista Networks, CrowdStrike, Zscaler, and Palo Alto in a group. Now, Palo Alto has uh, come in a little bit. It's uh, it's We've seen some softening in the name. But oh, wow. if you look at the monthly chart and the weekly yeah. chart, you see what an incredibly strong, uh, you know, an incredibly strong bullish move we're seeing. Uh, you know, the the challenge for me as a trader in a market like this, guys, and and this is what I is what I preach to my traders is, you know, forget your theories, forget what you think is going to happen. Just look at the chart. I mean, bring up the monthly SPX chart. Just do me a favor. I, I, no. uh, I don't know if we have SPX in here. Yeah, or... SPY, whatever you want to do. Yeah, we're bringing yeah SPY. SPY's fine. Uh, and, and bring up the monthly chart. Yep, right here. Now, you know, pretend that's Tesla on the two-minute. And tell me you're not bullish on that chart. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, people have a lot of theories about what's going to happen next year. Uh, you know, the measured move on that chart conservatively is 5110. You know, uh, yeah. just off the handle. Yeah. So uh, it looks like we just had a two-year consolidation yeah. period, and we're ready to go again. <laughs> exactly right. And you know, I read the news. I talk to people. Uh, consumers are struggling. Uh, we have geopolitical chaos everywhere, and uh, you know, uh, we're you know, our, our currency is being debased. I mean, th there's a lot of serious concerns uh, the economists are bringing up, and I, I, I talk to regular. You know, folks, as as my trading mentor used to call them, you know, civilians, uh, you know, people who uh, who aren't traders, and and, and uh, you know, they're, they're, we're we're we seem to just be climbing a wall of worry. But what the chart's telling me is that this market's potentially going much higher. So the the, the I think the biggest the challenge and the biggest change from 
you know, pre pre COVID markets is, uh, you know, you didn't have to deal with so much cognitive dissonance before, right? You, you were writing the, the weekly 21 for a decade, uh, more or less. And now you're dealing with a much more volatile market where, you know, the, the cognitive dissonance between macroeconomics and technical analysis becomes so, so difficult that as a, as a trader, it becomes really challenging to look at the market objectively. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like looking at this chart, uh, JR, you know, it, it, it's, if we take out this high right here, I mean, it's like you said, it looks like we've got, uh, you know, some ways to There's go. There's blue skies up there. I mean, <laughs> when stocks are making new all-time highs, it's hard to be sure. SPY has not made a new all-time high yet though. Right. Yeah. Close, close exactly. though. But yeah, like you said, you're, you're targeting that 510 level. So we're going to continue to watch this. Uh, JR, tell me a little bit about this free ebook that you have that uh, I'm going to throw the link in the chat for. Well, it's uh, <clears throat> uh, the ebook is, is sort of a, a pathway for traders to really find themselves, find their style as a trader. I, I'm, I, I'm a big preacher in in uh, in the methodology of uh, you know the individual trader, people who try to follow other traders, people who try to trade technical analysis in a vacuum, all fail. Like this is the one constant I've seen in almost a quarter of a century of trading. I'm really old. I'm 167 years old. So <laughs> I, I <laughs> I've seen it all. And you the traders they are for that. I'm on ginseng, Dennis. This is why. <laughs> All right, ginseng. I'm gonna write that down. I'm going to yeah, write, write, that, write that down. So here's the thing: traders who trade charts, who are chart readers, who just you know trade a strategy uh, without in a vacuum, without really developing their own style, without finding a true edge in the market, uh, tend to not succeed. So my my the thing I preach the most is really helping traders find their edge, whatever it is. And 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 and, I, and this is a very this is a kind of a scary thing for a lot of newer traders. But if you try to trade like someone else and you don't take the time to find your voice as a trader and find your style, you're most likely going to fail. Yeah. So, well, again, we got the link in the chat. Uh, make sure to go check that out. Free ebook. No reason not to. It's also in the description of this YouTube video if you're looking for the link. Uh, Jr. It's been a pleasure to have you on again, and and looking forward to having you on again in the future. Absolutely. Send my best to Joel, guys. We yeah. will. And yeah, he's, Thanks, he's, he might be a little, I don't know, a little ex too excited after last night's game. <laughs> but have, Can have, you blame the guy? on the wind hangover here. Yeah, for the sure. wind hangover. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, absolute pleasure, guys. Take care. Yep. Thanks, JR. All right. Well, Dennis, we've got about seven minutes left. Yeah. I've been waiting to hear your acronym. I, I know. I don't wait, make you wait two more minutes because we just, we haven't mentioned the Juniper news here yet. So there is a rumor here, still just a rumor. I believe coming from Wall Street Journal. I, and I, I think it was WSJ. I can't remember now. I didn't look. I'm pretty sure it was WSJ. Um, HPE, rumored to be buying Juniper in a $13 billion deal. Juniper is trading up 20%. If you're looking at the other networking stocks, the smaller ones, not the Cisco's, because nobody's coming and buying Cisco. CIEN is trading up here this morning. Um, another one that was trading up earlier was Arista Networks. It's trading down now with the overall market. F5 was trading up last night, FF5V. It's trading down here now, too. Um, just giving you some potential pure plays here, though. Just a rumor here right now, Juniper is trading up near 39 last night, starting to leak because nothing has materialized here yet. But a big pop for Juniper Networks here this morning. Yeah, you can see it here. We're still on the monthly chart. I'll go to the daily. Uh, I mean... Basically, let, let's go to our Benzinga Pro in the news here. Uh, HPE nears a $13 billion acquisition. So, um, wait, where's the... What, do you know what the... It was, a, it was WSJ. It wasn't a press release. So, you won't have that in there. It came from WSJ. No, I know. I was looking for the share price, though. Uh, I, no, we don't have that. I we don't have that. that. Okay. It's $13 billion. Okay, because I was curious to see how close uh, the stock is trading at right now to the that. Well, let's go target. look. Actually, we can probably figure that out quickly. Um, just get the current market cap of yeah, uh, and it's definitely not at thirteen billion. So we're just going to try to grab the quick market cap of it. Nine point five close. So ten. Do uh, actually, my system doesn't update here too on the pre-market pricing. It'll be updated immediately. So I'm just looking shares outstanding, 300 million up. 
So it looks like it's up six bucks on 300 million shares, six times three, two. So it's about 11 and a half trading right now. So about one and a half down from that $13 billion price tag. Another one and a half would put it up another five points. So it looks like the price would be 41 or 42. If I'm doing my math right, probably about 42 bucks. So you're trading not quite to there. Obviously, it's still just a rumor, so they're not going to trade it right up to all the way and give you it all. But if it gets taken out, it's probably at a price tag somewhere between 40 and 42, I would think. What is eight? Yeah, what is HPE? Uh, and this is what you see this uh, yeah. happen often with you know the stock trading down about seven percent. What does HPE even do? I mean, I'm surprised that the no, I know that this is surprising to me too. Here, I'm like, this is out of the blue here because one, I didn't even know HPE was big enough to buy you. So I was thinking too. I was gonna say yeah. like, I thought you'd figure the market. HPQ Legacy. It's this is the spin. So Hewlett Packard spun off their services business as HP Enterprises. A number of years ago. So I believe it's Hewlett Packard services business. I didn't know they're in a networking here. So I mean, um, interesting that they're coming in buying or looking to buy Juniper Networks here, but I guess they're looking to expand in other areas. So interesting one. But they're hammering HPE on this. Obviously, they know this isn't going to be a cash deal because HPE isn't that. So it's going to be a stock deal. 100% going to have to be a stock deal in order to be, pull this off because they don't, they aren't big enough to just throw cash at this thing. So that's why they're hammering it already just on the rumors that this is going to happen. So down 7% here feels like a bit of an overshoot just because it hasn't even happened the deal yet. I mean, this stock, you know, maybe it's going to go down further if it actually does happen, but a lot of bad news priced in here now. Yeah. I mean, the market cap of, of Juniper is basically half of, of Hewlett Packard. So anytime a company, I mean, look, Hewlett Packard's market cap is 23 billion. Juniper's was like nine and a half. So anytime you have a company that's acquiring a company for half of its current market cap, like that, that acquisition better work out for your better work out and better be a a, a huge business driver. Otherwise you just, you know, I I don't know. You just diluted, uh, you know, I I don't know exactly. I mean, and HP has been a dog for a very long time. I mean, this stock has gone nowhere for five years. So to Spinner's point, maybe they're just trying to figure out how to like, increase their growth a little bit here because hp has been an absolute dog yeah well all right dennis now we've only got okay we we had delayed it long enough we kept you guys in in the dark here so my acronym nasa you guys all know what the n is we actually had a couple people um get it right the entire thing last night i should give them some props here uh, but my notifications are all here i gotta go find the one nasa intern got it right and also it was Anthony Latito on 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 Twitter. Thank you, Anthony. He got it right as well. So first one, you know what the N is. You all know what the N is. It's NVIDIA. So I mean, yes, I'm chasing here. I'm still long NVIDIA. I'm along all four of these stocks too. So my acronym is N NVIDIA, A AMD, S SMCI, full on AI trade here. Full on AI. I'm all in AI. And then the fourth one, though, is Amgen. I just bought Amgen. So I've got the NASA, NASA um, going here. And the uh, reason is I think we're still going to have AI as the driver this year. I don't know if it's going to be this killer year where everything's just going up, but I think we're still going to have an AI story. So I'm sticking with the AI story. And I also believe the Amgen story is going to have the weight loss drugs. I've got multiple drugs are working on here. I think Amgen's going to be a story too. So NVIDIA... Um, I'm not saying I'm going out and buying it here today. I'm already long all these stocks here, but you know, on dips, I would absolutely be a buyer of NVIDIA. People believe it is overvalued. I don't believe it is overvalued. I believe NVIDIA is eventually, I believe NVIDIA is eventually going to be a $2 trillion company. And that would put it at a market cap of almost a, or a stock price of nearing a thousand dollars. So I think it's not out of the realm of possibilities that NVIDIA, not this year, I don't think it's happening this year. But I think NVIDIA could eventually be a $1,000 stock. And it, people are going to be shocked because they think NVIDIA, the PE, it's trading at 68 times earnings, but the Ford P is only 26. They keep growing and growing and growing. I mean, you could see it growing into that multiple. Dan Niles on CNBC, fantastic. He's one of the best people to get on there. We're going to have to bring Dan Niles on the show sometime. Um, he was talking about it too, comparing uh, last night, he was comparing Apple to NVIDIA. And he's saying, do you want to pay 28 times for Apple growing revenue at less than 5%? Or do you want to pay 26 times for NVIDIA growing revenue at 30 or 
He's like, it's a no-brainer for me. He says it's NVIDIA, and I'm with him here. He is the main reason, Dan Niles, that I bought the stock back at 400 in October because he gave that same argument. And you know what? He's been right because the stocks went from 400 to 520. So I think NVIDIA still has more room to the upside, believe it or not. Is it going to pull back? Are there going to be dips? Is it getting hit on the overall market here today? Yes. But I think the path of least resistance for NVIDIA is still higher. AMD is just a piggyback trade off of NVIDIA. I think AMD, Lisa Sui, cannot bet against her. I've been long AMD since $95. I think it's still got upside here as well. I think AMD will eventually make new all-time highs. SMCI, again, is a pure play on AI here too. Smaller market cap stock. So this one is, you know, it's a tougher one. It's way more volatile, really moves around. So it's a little bit of a wild child. And then obviously Amgen, we've already talked about, has the weight loss drugs. And I think the valuation is reasonable in Amgen, trading only about 16 times earnings. Yep. And I mean, with NVIDIA, Dennis, I, I got to, I mean, this is one of my, you know, favorite just all time stocks. Uh, and, and what I like about NVIDIA, and like you said, there are going to be a lot of people out there that right now say, oh my God, this is so expensive. First of all, if you're just looking at the PE and saying, okay, the PE is high. I'm not going to buy this because it's it's expensive. You would have missed out on, you know, Apple in 2010. You know, all these tech stocks a lot of times trade at higher valuations for a reason. It's not just because. Because they're growing the earnings right. into those multiples. We and, heard this on Amazon forever. Amazon is not justified to be trading 85 times earnings back in 2010. And what did the stock do since 2010? You know, you can bring up your long-term chart. Has only went up like a thousand percent since then. And the PE is now down. The PEs actually went down because the stock price didn't go up fast enough for the growth of the company. The company just grew so fast. I mean, just, you know, I just ballparked that out of the head. But 10 years ago, where was Amazon? Yeah. 10 years ago, Amazon was about 15 bucks. It's up, it's $150. It's up a thousand percent here in the course of the last 10 years. And the whole and the PE can say, oh my gosh, it's still 70. Well, they're still growing like crazy here too. And again, we know that they've always invested in the top line and not the bottom line. So, I mean, that has always harmed their profitability to a certain extent. Is there stories that could make this acronym for me not work out? Absolutely. You know, am I a little bit too levered on this? I, I considered, you know, moving the S to something else and not SMCI because um, I just like I'm all in the AI trade. But I've been talking about this. I've been talking about the AI trade. These are the stocks in my long-term portfolio. I'm like, I'm going with my long-term portfolio. I bought NVIDIA back in October. I bought AMD back in the summertime. I bought SMCI a while ago, and I recently bought Amgen last week. So well, I'm sticking with it. these stocks. They're in the long-term account. They're not going anywhere. There you have it. NASA, again, you've got NVIDIA, AMD, AMD SMCI, and then Amgen, of course, rounding it out. But yeah, what I was going to say about NVIDIA is just like, you got. I always like to take into account the long-term outlook of a stock as well as the short-term. And I think in the short-term for NVIDIA, even if you have like rates go but going back up and you have companies and investors more focused on, okay, we got to buy companies that are making money now and growth is out of favor, NVIDIA has enough underlying demand right now uh, for its chips. Like, I mean, NVIDIA was, was selling every single chip it produced for the past yeah. like two years when the semiconductor shortage uh, supply chain issues were going on. There's enough demand for its products right now to where I think there will be a defined kind of floor in the price, right? Where even if growth goes out of favor, the stock's probably not going to drop much below. I'm not going to throw an ex exact price out there, but say like 450 just because of how much people are, you know, need these chips right now. And NVIDIA is still first in class, best of breed. And then long-term, like you said, the growth is there. The growth is coming. It's just more of a matter of, do you the think- growth this... is going to continue to come. Right. I do mean, I look at NVIDIA's market cap at 1.2 trillion, and that is a huge market cap. But you just think like, what is going to be the driver? Like, think about like, you know, where we're going. I mean, if you really believe that AI is like the internet part two, Who's driving the bus for that? Is there going to be other bus drivers? Yeah, but is the obvious one NVIDIA? It is. It's obviously a bus driver. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Not saying this is going to happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that NVIDIA could eventually be the most valuable company in the world. It's not out of the realm of possibility. If no. that happened, the stock would triple. So I don't know. That would be like a $1,400 stock for that stock to be the most valuable company in the world. It's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's possible. But I think at a $1.2 trillion valuation, 
26 times forward earnings. Again, there's some pull forward. Again, the margins. You know, I know the bearish arguments here, but the the flat out argument that's just overvalued just doesn't hold water here. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I again just expect that growth to continue. I said this a, a couple weeks ago that would I be buying Nvidia right here? Could there be a pullback in the near term? Sure, yeah. But am I very confident that ten years from now the stock's going to be trading well higher than it is today? Yes, I'm very confident. I think that. so. Not if, and, not investing. And again, in my long term might not be ten years. My long term is probably a couple of years. But I think we're going into this AI boom. And these three stocks, like SMCI is an iffy one. It's kind of the speculative one of the group. I had to throw one in there. And let's be honest here, I wanted an S. I kind of had it going there. So I was like looking at my portfolio and I was like, I'll do it. I'll do the SMCI. So it's kind of the one I'm not as convicted about. But NVIDIA, I'm very convicted about. Amgen, I'm very convicted about. AMD, I believe in Lisa Sue. I'm a big believer in Lisa Sue. So I'm convicted about her as well. And then SMCI is like, you know what? I'm piggybacking on the AI story. It's got the AI story with it. Let's go, NASA. Let's do it. Well, Dennis, 9.06 a.m. Well, it's time to wrap it up. Uh, great show today. We're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking some healthcare, J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference uh, tomorrow, some biotech stocks. going to be an exciting show. We're going to have Joel Beck, uh, newly crowned national champion, Joel Conan. So, uh, again, thanks for everyone who tuned in. Please smash the like if you haven't already, and we will be back tomorrow. Thank you.